When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You don't just end up in $460,000 of debt. There's something going on that you're covering up or that you're trying to compensate for. And you have to start asking yourself those hard questions. What is making me buy things that... I don't need, and I know I can't afford. I'm 23 years old. What would cost somebody like me to go this deeply into debt? Dear young married couple, we're a couple weeks into the new year, and a lot of you have probably written down goals, stuff that you want to achieve, especially around finances. I mean, finances are and money is really important, but you got to know this. Money is not a math problem. Yes, there are other things that get in the way of us accomplishing those financial goals, and they don't have to do with decimals and numbers necessarily. And today, Jade Warshaw is here to tell us all about that. Jade is a personal finance expert and co-host of The Ramsey Show and author of this book, Money is Not a Math Problem. We're going to get into the interview in just a second. But we wanted to remind you, if you haven't got your Eros tickets, go and get them. It's only a week away. Yes, Eros Conference in Indianapolis is January 26th and 27th. It's just around the corner. We really hope you guys will be there to join us. You can see the link in the show notes to buy your tickets. It's going to be an incredible weekend away with you and your spouse working on that romantic pursuit in your marriage. Jade Warshaw, welcome to the podcast. We're so happy you're here today. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is great. We are honored you joined us and you've been an excellent addition to the Ramsey team. And Jade, you have a story. You and your husband, Sam, have a story of paying off so much debt. And we want to hear your story before you dive into what you have to share with everyone else about their own finances. So Jade, tell us your story. Yeah, 100%. So my husband and I got married one week after college graduation, which is already a crazy enough time, right? And um, it was just a whirlwind. And about six months to a year into our first year of marriage, we started realizing like we might have some major financial issues, right? Because anybody who's taken out student loans knows that those first six months, there's no payment due, right? There's that grace period. But after that six months hits, you realize like, okay, like I'm in the real world now. And so that's basically what happened to us. Um, The student loan payments started rolling in along with the other payments that we had. And it really caused us to think, oh my gosh, there's something going on. Not to mention, round about that time, we also started considering um, a move. We were going to move from Tennessee at the time down to South Florida. And there's something about a move that's you know, you're doing inventory of all your stuff, plus you're calculating the cost of a move, which is also very expensive. And we started laying out all these numbers 
thinking about, okay, when we get to Florida, where are we going to live? What do we have the money for? And that's what caused us to start looking at our finances and realizing, oh my gosh, we have a ton of debt. So how much debt? Oh, $460,000 of debt. And it's consumer debt, which was the worst part. Um, Most like by far consumer debt. There was like a little bit of a townhouse in there, but yeah. But you had student loan debt too, right? Yeah. 280 of it was student loans. Wow. I know. It never gets easier to say that, by the way. <laughs> Every time I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> oh, that's a lot. So what'd you guys do? I mean, you realize we are in over our heads. We have so much. To- Most people would look at that and say like, it's hopeless. Yeah. You know, I'll be honest when we very first looked at it. And I think this was honestly the grace of God. When we first looked at it, we were looking more at the payments. We were going, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, we have this payment and this payment and this payment. We never actually calculated the entire amount until later on. And thankfully we didn't, because I think if we had, it would have just been like this. There's no point in even trying. But um, once we saw the payments and we realized that we had this debt, I remember Dave Ramsey um, because I'd heard him on the radio before and it was before I really realized that I was one of those like quote stupid people that he was always yelling at. (laughs) And so I told my husband, I was like, I think this guy, Dave Ramsey can help us out. And so we start listening to the radio show more and we go and pick up a copy of the total money makeover and going through that is when we really realized, okay, start with, you know, do the debt snowball, start with the smallest debt. And so because of that, we always just, we truly just focused on whatever the smallest debt was at a time And we didn't try to take in the whole big picture because by doing that for us, it just would have been incredibly overwhelming. That's really good. So just for the parents of teenagers going into college and people that are going into college right now, maybe what uh, wisdom would you give some people thinking about starting to take out loans and like, how would you navigate that now? Like looking back, you know, I think the best thing as parents that we can do is set our kids up for success. And that looks like a lot of different things. For some people, um, it's just having a conversation and really laying out what that expectation is. You know, when I was a kid growing up, my parents told us flat out, they're like, we don't have a trust fund for you, right? There's no big college savings that's sitting there waiting for you. And my dad straight up told us, he was like, you better be good at sports. You better be smart and get some scholarships (laughs) because that's your only hope basically. And so, we, I mean, we acted in accordance to that. We studied hard. We worked diligently at our athletics. And I had a full ride to um, my school. I had a full uh, academic scholarship. It was actually a full presidential scholarship. And I was offered a full volleyball scholarship. And so I, you know, you can only choose one or the other. So I chose the academic one because I thought, well, if I quit volleyball, I'll still be covered, which was the right move. But what my parents didn't explain to us, um, which I think a lot of people are in this boat, is that borrowing money is never an option. And so when I got to college, the mistake that I made was the people in the student loan office. Number one, why was I even in there? But when I was in there, they said, hey, Jade, you're going to need money, you know, for things like groceries and to go out on the weekend and homecomings coming up. And they're like salespeople. They were like pitching me sales. (laughs) And don't you know, I took out student loans just for like fun money. Like I could not tell you what I spent that money on. I took out 34,000. And so, and you had a full ride scholarship. Yes. No, (laughs) (laughs) it was the, I have to say that's probably the dumbest thing uh, financially that I have done is taken out student loans, even though I had a full 
ride scholarship. And so as parents, I think as much as we talk about the education side, it is so important to also just talk about the dangers of debt and the fact that, hey, I want you to live a life where you are not a slave to the lender. Because we all know, I mean, Dave says it all the time, the borrower slave to the lender. And so as parents, if we can really just make that so clear, that's the first point. And then we go into, and let's talk about your education and pick a school that you can afford. Let's pick something that's in state. Let's talk about the, the, the fact that you can work your way through school. I have plenty of friends who did that. So I think that's the conversation. Love that. So, so how long did it take you and Sam to pay off the four hundred and sixty thousand dollars worth of debt? <laughs> so it took us seven and a half years. Um, the first year was just, you know, I tell people all the time. Um, for a lot of people, especially when you're facing income barriers and, and extreme in income issues, that first year, a lot of it is just not creating more debt, right? And getting used to this idea of this is my income, at least for now. And I just need to learn how to live on my income, right? Without credit cards and without all these other things propping it up. And so that was Sam and I's first year. And then the the years after that were dedicated to really increasing our income so we could actually make this thing happen. Excellent. And then you wrote a book about making it happen. That's right. <laughs> so tell us about your book and then we'll dive into some of the help you can offer to the listeners pertaining to your book. Yeah, awesome. Um, so the book is called Money's Not a Math Problem. And um, it kind of came about because one of the things that I hear all the time from folks on our radio show, um, The Ramsey Show is the show that I co-host. And people call in and they want, you know, advice with their money. You know, we were always teaching a series of seven baby steps to get yourself, you know, to financial peace. And so people call in the show, they want advice, they want to accelerate that process. And what I hear so often on the show through social media is people saying like, Jade, I get it. Like, I know I'm supposed to budget. I know I'm supposed to live on less than I make. I know I'm supposed to save money. Like they know the head knowledge of it, but they have such a hard time seeing it play out in their behavior. And as a result, people just start thinking, okay, this is just not for me or it works for those people, but it doesn't work for people like me or they must have a different situation than me right. or blah, 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 blah. I'm the and exception so, to the rule for some reason. That, that's exactly right. Um, and so I kind of wanted to do a deeper dive on that because I remember feeling that way. Like I remember um, all of the objections that come into your head, right? When someone says, hey, get a budget or when someone says increase your income or when they say you could be a millionaire one day, like your your mind raises these objections automatically. Right. And I started to realize that a lot of those objections were honestly just beliefs that I had, that I had developed over time, things that I really clung to um, for whatever reason, good or bad. And I realized like, listen, we all have this kind of ticker tape of belief that's in the back of our mind that we don't even really stop to consider. It's just always there. Yeah. And it's the thing that when someone says, hey, you should budget in your mind, you go, yeah, that's not for me. Or if somebody says, hey, you know, have you ever considered, you know, making a plan for your money? And you're thinking, yeah, right. If they knew how much I made, da, 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 da. You know, you're just always constantly creating an objection before you've even realized it. And so I realized that, listen, a lot of the problems that we face with our money is not actually the math. It's what's going on, you know, upstairs in our mind and our belief system. And so that's really what this book is about is uncovering those beliefs, because just because you believe something doesn't mean it's true and replacing it with a belief that is true. Ooh, that's so good. So 
you have this gigantic debt and then you have this belief like, okay, that's for other people to live, you know, below what you're making and everything else. How did you guys go about fixing that belief system? Like, was there a process to this or how do people start on that process? Yeah. You know, I tell people a lot, uh, you know, it's very easy to say my money. Okay. I'm going to go on this money journey and I'm going on a financial journey, but you've got to go on the mindset journey as well. And I think for Sam and I, Sam is my husband, um, that was, it was pretty apparent to us that that needed to happen because you don't just end up in $460,000 of debt, right? There's something going on that you're covering up or that you're trying to compensate for. And I realized that I was like, listen, something's happening here. And could, you know, and you have to start asking yourself those hard questions. Am I really like this immature? Like, am I this irresponsible? What is making me buy things that I don't need and I know I can't afford. I'm 23 years old. What would cause somebody like me to go this deeply into debt? Why isn't it? Do I have accountability issues? Like what's going on? And so you do start to ask yourself those questions. And I think, um, you know, to your point, Adam, being being willing to go on that journey, because once you start asking those questions, you open up a can of worms and you start to realize, okay, here's what I think. Like, here's what I believe. And then as Dr. John Deloney said, you have to kind of demand evidence um, from those thoughts. Or even the Bible says, you know, take all those thoughts captive, right? And you have to make them obedient. And you start realizing, like, for me, I started thinking, okay, like the idea of um, budgeting or having any parameters around my money felt very constrictive to me. And it, it felt like it was some kind of a punishment or, you know, I'm kind of getting put in the corner for being bad. And I thought, that's why I don't, that's why I'm bucking against everything. And that's why I'm just spending and not looking at the bank account. And so for me, it was really just getting to the bottom of that. And that's what this book does. It, 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 it raises those questions and it raises those beliefs. And some of them you're going to be like, yes, Jade, that's me. And some of them you're going to go, that's not really me, but hopefully it'll get you thinking to, to what yours are. Cause I thought budgeting was a punishment, right? And so many people do, um, I used to think that budgets were for broke people. You know, budgets are for poor people, people who don't have any money. Um, so there's all those there's all those stigmas attached that people have with money, and we've got to reveal that. And these are the the lies we tell ourselves. So you actually outline five of those lies. Tell us a couple of those lies that you um, address in the book, but not just the lies. Talk to us about how we combat those lies with the truth. That's right. So of course, I just mentioned like budgeting is a punishment. So many okay. people feel like that. It's it's kind of, um, it's your consequence, right? You've been bad with your money. And so now you're on a budget. And then, you know, of course, there's this idea that, okay, budgets, if you're on a budget, you, you're poor, right? Poor people are on budgets. People who don't earn a lot of money, they have to be on a budget. And I grew up thinking that, you know, it's the way I grew up. And then of course, with the married couples, there's this idea that budgets are best done alone, right? We don't want to include our spouse. We don't want to share our money. This is mine. He might mess it up or she overspends and, or I was in a past relationship and Jade, you don't understand. And so all of that feeds into our beliefs and I tackle all of that head on. And I think, you know, to answer your question of how do you change it, it really is um, kind of that old adage of whatever you feed grows and whatever you starve dies. And 
it's just that idea of, listen, I, I, I'm reveal for the first step is revealing. I see there's a problem. Like, I know I have a problem. Then you can actually fix it. And when you can put your finger on that pulse and go, I've been believing this and it's not serving me. It hasn't gotten me anywhere. Then you can be open to hear something new and go, okay, like, let me try it. Let me just try it. And if I embrace it and I see that it works, then it's, I can say, okay, like, this is true. Like, this is, this is better than what I was believing before. And if I can see the fruit of that, and if it honestly, from where I come from, if it aligns with what God is telling me and what God's teachings are, then it's good and it's true. So. Amen. That's good. So you're feeding that truth more and more and it just grows. That's right. That's right. You've got to, you know, the Bible talks about renewing your mind and it truly is flooding your mind with truth. And there's really no space for that other stuff to, to get in. And the more that you do that, the more it does change your mind to where you look at those old beliefs and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I used to think that. Like, I can't believe that I was living my life like that. It starts to become kind of absurd when you look at it. So, so you and your husband had to have had this come to Jesus moment then. <laughs> Listen, that whole seven years was a come to Jesus moment. <laughs> Many moments. Yeah, man. It was a journey that it was a journey. And it's good that you said that because I want to tell folks who are listening to this, rarely is it ever. I mean, I cannot think of a time when it's ever just a money journey. You are going to, if you're married, it's a marriage journey. If you are, even if you're not, it's a self-awareness journey. It is a, it is all of these things that coincide because as we talk about so much here at Ramsey, your money intersects with everything. It intersects with your career. It intersects with your relationships. And so when you commit to a financial journey, just beware, you are committing to growth and development in many other areas in your life as well. Mm. Yeah, it's very true. Because I think money touches self-control, money touches self-worth, money touches yeah. like so many areas of your Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Of your life, because if you okay, now I have to. If if I use money to prop up my own self esteem, you know, like I had this jacket, I wear these shoes, I drive this car, and then I have to like back off that. It makes you really come face to face in the mirror and go like, okay. Who am I trying to impress? And is it really doing the job? <laughs> Adam, it's almost like you read the book. <laughs> I'm talking about that exact thing. It's who are we trying to impress? What is this facade for? Like, and is it really working for us? Because at the end of the day, 
we're stressed about our money, right? We're we're unable to save, we're broke, we're worried about our kids' education, we're worried about retirement. And so something there's got to give. Right. Yeah. What are some of the practical things that you and Sam did to make sure you're on the same page and communicate effectively and get the job done? I mean, clearly you did it well. Give us the secret here. Yes. So practicality, as uh, definitely uh, budgets. You have to get on a budget. That is thing one. Um, if you follow Ramsey at all, everything we're teaching, the crux of all of it is a really good well done budget. And um, I put the emphasis on the word good budget because I think so many of us have this idea when you say the word budget, something flashes in your mind, good or bad. And for most of us, it's kind of like, you know, and I know <laughs> that's how I was. I was like, oh, a budget. You're stealing from me. You're taking from me. You're taking away my freedom. Like that's the uh -huh. way I felt. And yeah. so I really talk through um, how you're in control of this thing. And a really good budget reflects your goals. It reflects your needs, your wants, the things that are important to you. And um, it truly is something that just gives definition to your money, right? Mm -hmm. I always say it defines your money. It doesn't confine your money. And so I, I, in the quick read, I really just roll out, okay, what are the components of a good budget? How do we put it together? I talk about how a good budget should be detailed realistic and flexible and a lot of people are missing that flexibility component mm -hmm. and in the detailed component and those things that really make it work for you and make it something that gives you peace as opposed to something that feels constraining yeah that's really good there's a big keys in there i, I remember the first time we were trying to do budgets I was afraid of the same thing because I, I want my freedom, you know, don't, right. don't touch my money. <laughs> I want to be able to go buy a golf club if I want, or a, you know, fly that's right. <laughs> but I remember us doing that and we were, we didn't have very much money to budget yeah. at that point. We were both in school. We both were, I had loans. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, you know, trying to be smart with our money, but like at the same time feeling so constricted. And I remember our first free money, um, in the budget was 30 bucks. Yes. I spend 30 that was our, bucks. our me money. <laughs> Love yeah. it. Uh, yeah. But that's all I had. And it did feel constraining at that point, but that little bit of like freedom gave a little bit of sense of like, all right, I have a do, I do have a little bit of autonomy. Mm -hmm. That's right. But you have to start somewhere. You can't just keep on putting your head in the sand and yeah. expect your money situation in life just to turn around without you actually turning around, repenting from your old ways. Yes. That's right. That's yeah. so good. And I mean, even how we talk about the budget is a big deal. And this is another thing I talk about in the book, you know, uh, how we view the budget a lot of times has to do with the words in our mind surrounding it. Um, whether we say things like, oh, I can't spend that because of the budget, or I can't afford that because of the budget. When you say words like, I can't do this, or I'm not able to do this, takes all of your power and autonomy away. And it's kind of like, you know, the budget is this thing that's looming over your head and it's shaking its finger at you. Right. And um, it's always mad at you. Right. And it's always telling, you no. but when you realize, wait a minute, I I'm in control of this thing. I make this thing. I'm autonomous and I have real goals. Then you really change the way you talk and you say things like, um, that's not a priority for me this month. And it's like, suddenly it's like, wait, that's, that's much more 
um, in your favor. It's much more you in control of this thing. Or if you say, you know what, uh, I'm choosing not to spend money on that this week. I've got other goals that I'm trying to accomplish. And really the way you talk um, over time does create, um, it, it sets the vibe, right? And so I talk about it in the book, you know, doing a vocab rehab when it comes to money is so, so important. Uh, when I was a rehab. <laughs> vocab rehab, that's it. That's really good. I, I love that. It, yeah. It's funny. It reminds me when you're saying that um, we were in the store the other day and uh, Forrest, our little boy, he's five or four, uh, almost five. You see, it changes every year, so it's hard to keep up with. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, can I have this dad? And then he kind of looks at me and goes, no, huh? We don't have money. And oh. I was like, I was like, no for us. We do have money. I said, but we choose not to spend money on everything that we see. I That's said, right. we we're, we're going to spend money on what we choose is important right now. Mm-hmm. Or if mm-hmm. you would like to spend your own money, we give them commission yep. for, for working in our house and doing stuff. Uh-huh. Um, but it, I love that idea of like looking at your, the words you say either give life to you and, and empower you or constrict you, make you feel, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, bound up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's so good. Read the book. This- yes. Get the book. We're going to link it in the show notes. <laughs> I do have another helpful. question for you. Kind of practical. When you are moving through and for people who aren't familiar with the baby steps, go familiarize yourself with them. Get a hold of the Dave Ramsey stuff. Um, but when you're going, th- you know, you've gone through steps one, two, three, you're moving into four, five, six. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any mindset issues kind of pertaining to your book that kind of that change or shift when you get into those those higher steps like that you get more entitled or um, you feel <laughs> like you've accomplished something? And like, how does that change for people? Well, well, let's break it down. So baby step one, right? For anybody listening, you're just getting $1,000 saved. Mm-hmm. And I think for most people, the mindset there is they've, for a lot of people, it's one of two things. It's I've never saved any money before. And the idea of saving $1,000 is daunting. And so it's like, how could I ever do this? But I always encourage people, listen, most people can do it in 30 days. If you sell things, if you get intense. Um, and then there's the people who go $1,000 that's not enough. Right. And it's like, they've probably got, you know, six or seven or more sitting in the bank and they're like, whatever, a thousand dollars is no big deal. And if I have an emergency, that's not going to cover it. And to those people, I I tell them, listen, you've got to shift your mindset. A thousand dollars. It's not supposed to be to be all end all. It's just a little something there because we're about to go pay off some debt. It's just a little something there in case, you know, the worst happens and you just got to, you know, it's there for emergencies. And I always tell people to remember 56% of Americans cannot cover a thousand dollar emergency. So if you have that, yes. So not only um, is it not normal to have that, if you do have it, you're ahead of most Americans. And so then you move into baby step two. It's like, okay, now we're paying off everything except the mortgage. And I think for most people, the mindset um, there that they've got to shift is most people don't even believe it's possible. Because you grew up with debt, your grandma had debt, your dad had debt, your best friend has debt, and it's it's not normal. Like culture, it's very counterintuitive and countercultural to to have this idea that you can pay off debt. And so that's why I tell people, I'm like, listen, this is where we get into that renewing of your mind thing. If you're if you're interested in these plans, submerge yourself in it. Get around people who are on your side. 
um, submerse yourself in the content, right? Because it's story after story of people paying off debt and winning. And the more and more that you hear that, the more you go, oh my gosh, this thing is possible, right? So now we're going into baby step three and it's, you know, saving three to six months of expenses. And I'll be honest, I think the hardest mindset here is I think people go from baby step two where it was struggle slices and they're like, when I get in baby step three, it's going to be so easy because now I'm going to pay myself. I get to keep the money. And I think they get um, shocked with the feeling of, oh, crap, this is actually really hard. Saving three to six months, it, it kind of slaps you in the face because you realize, oh, man, I've had my head down. I've had pedal to the metal. Here's where we, what, Carissa, you talked about the entitlement. This is where you start feeling like, well, wait a minute. I just paid off all this debt. I want to start using some of this money for me. And you start to lose some of the intensity. So I always tell people, hey, just a couple more months, keep it dialed in. And once you, you know, once you get this money saved, then you can start to enjoy a lot more of it for yourself. Okay. So now we're going into baby step four. It's that saving 15% towards retirement. I think most people really look forward to this step, but I think this is where we start to have that mindset of, oh my gosh, I didn't learn this in school. No one taught us about, uh, you know, the, the Dow Jones and the S&P 500 and how I'm supposed to choose investments. Is it stocks? Is it mutual funds? And so it's really, um, these are the moments where I really challenge people. I'm like, listen, you're an adult, you can learn new things. And it's not as, it's not as difficult as you think. You're just learning something new just because it's new doesn't mean it's hard. So just to dial in and really work with professionals on this. And then of course you get to baby step five, baby step five. We talked about saving for kids college. And I think for a lot of people, again, the mindset is, okay, I, you know, I, I took out student loans. I want to make sure my kids don't take out student loans. Is it truly possible for them to pay cash for college? And, you know, understanding what the expectation is, we always tell people, listen, if you're saving for kids college, it's up to you. You don't have to pay their way 100%, right? You can do what you can um, and that's okay. So really accepting that my family and I get to choose the norm. I get to choose the amount that we're putting towards this. And ultimately these kids are going to be adults who go off and now is the time that I can start setting the expectation of, hey, make sure you're making the right decision when you're choosing your school. Make sure that you're working as well because you're going to contribute and have some skin in the game, right? So that's where that goes. And then baby step six, we're paying off our home, right? Again, we get to that idea of there's two camps here. There's like, oh my gosh, I've never heard of anybody paying off their home before they're 70. <laughs> Is it truly possible? But by the time you get to that step, you start to realize, wait a minute, this thing is possible. And I've paid off all this debt. I've done all this. I've got this whole well of experience and success to draw from that, you know, you can do it. And then there's like the math nerds that are like, well, wait a minute, I could take this money and invest it and, you know, get all that money. And so uh, to those people, I just say, well, have you ever not had a mortgage? Like, have you ever lived in a paid for house? Because if you do, you'll realize the value in it and you will want to pay it off. And then of course, Good. step seven, you're living and giving. So yeah. 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 Those mindsets do shift for each step for sure. I love how you lay this all out and I'm looking forward to people grabbing your book. So we're going to link it in the show notes. Money is Thank not you. a math problem by Jade Warshaw. Yeah, I just want to reflect on what you said a little bit ago, you know, diving in, immersing I feel like if you're going to make a huge life change, you can't just do it passively. Yeah. 
And That's right. I mean, the Bible says that, you know, faith cometh by hearing. <laughs> Go listen to the podcast, listen to this on audio. There's really no excuse anymore, I think, to not like to not read a book. Yeah. Yeah. Go get the audio version. Go read the book, but do something, immerse yourself and change your life. I mean, money's a pretty big deal. (laughs) Yeah, it is a big deal. And I'm so glad you said that. I was actually just um, working on some social media stuff before I came on here and we were talking about um, how people say, oh, you guys care too much about money. You know, money's not everything and money doesn't buy happiness. And I'm like, no, Money doesn't buy happiness, but it buys options and it buys debt freedom and it buys savings and it buys, you know, your college education and healthcare and insurance and all of these things that you need to have your best life. And I always say, I'm like, listen, the best things in life are free, right? Love is free. Your family, all that. But the second best things, all the things I listed, those are going to cost you. And so (laughs) it's true. You know what I'm saying? And it's not always about you having to make more money. I'm not saying that you have to just get and get and get, but it is about learning to manage the money that you do have Mm -hmm. and being a good steward of that money. Because, you know, I I can say this to you guys because you guys get it, but like, I am not going to get to heaven and be like, God being like, Jade, you could have, listen, I had all this stored up for you, but you just (laughs) wouldn't do it. Like you wouldn't do the things to access it. Like, I don't want to feel that. I want to feel like, all right, I pushed it to the limit and I did my part and we saw the fruit of that here on earth. And that's what I'm looking for. Yes. Amen. Stewarding Amen. Well. Where could people find the book? Yes. So uh, depending on when you're listening to this uh, right now, you can go to RamseySolutions.com. You can order the book and it will ship as soon as you order it. Right. But if you order on Amazon, you will have to wait till January 2nd for it to ship out. If you go to Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, target.com, walmart.com, that sort of thing. So yeah, go to ramseysolutions.com. Yeah, so mid-January, you prefer them to go to Ramsey Solutions, yeah? Listen, yes. And it's going to be cheaper. Let's be honest about that. So (laughs) We will link that one in the show notes. There you go. (laughs) Awesome. All right, we're going to close out the episode like we close out all of our episodes here. And that's by asking you this, rewind back to your first couple years of marriage. What advice do you wish you would have received? And then fill in the blank, dear young married couple. I think I would say, dear dear young married couple, no marriage has it all together. And you're going to see a lot of things and hear a lot of things that make you think that quote unquote, is the perfect marriage. Or when you have this, it's the perfect marriage. Or, And, and none of that's real. Um, and now on the other side, I see that. Um, and people, people just don't, here's the thing, marriages, people just don't talk about the issues they have. They don't talk about it enough. And um, my husband and I have made it a point that we just talk about stuff because I wished, I just wished that 22 newly married me would have heard somebody saying, oh yeah, we have debt too. Or, oh yeah, like getting out of debt is hard. I can't believe you guys are doing that. Like no one was talking around us. Um, and I just wish I had heard that. Cause I think it would have given me a lot of peace to know, okay, like we're not weird. We're not normal or, you know, we're not abnormal per se. We're not, um, um, we're not worse off. We're just married There you go. and we're making it work. Yes. <laughs> that. That's good so advice. good. Thank you so much, Jade, for being with us. This is Thank you for such me. great content and a challenge to couples out there that yes. maybe find themselves in debt or maybe just are in that 
middle stage of like, hey, we're in, we're out of debt, but we need to really start pursuing excellence in other areas. So, so here's your mindset shift for 2024. Now go do it. Thank you so much, Jade. <laughs> That's right. Thank you so much for having me. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. You need more connection in your marriage. So we created a free download for you called the top three ways to connect. We created this after working with literally thousands of people just like you who said, I really crave a deeper and more meaningful bond with my spouse. You can get this recipe for connection by following the link below. Also, if you want some more personalized help or counseling, just shoot us a text 916-678-1797. You can also go to our website, dearyoungmarriedcouple.com for more info. And we'll see you next week.